power. What is power? Can you have power and use that power while at the same time having compassion? While at the same time showing kindness? When we think about Jesus and what he's done for us, how does he show power? And at the same time, compassion and grace and love. One of the stories in the New Testament that shows the power of Christ is also a story that shows his love and his concern for you. Sometimes we think about God and we think about God's power and we think of some awesome thing that happened in the past. Or we think about the future and maybe we, we, we picture someone as often as depicted in the art of the Renaissance of an old man with a gray beard and someone far off and distant. But God's power is real. And it is real enough to change your life. And it's there because he wants to touch your life with his love and his grace and compassion. A few stories in the New Testament show this as compellingly as the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles this morning, please be returning to John chapter 11. And as we turn there, I want us to think this morning about the power of God and the power of Christ to change lives. And so I want us to begin by thinking about the context of what's going on in the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. I want us to think about the compassion that Jesus shows here, and then I want us to consider the parallels in this story for our lives. So let's start by thinking about the context. What's going on here as we look at the story of Lazarus? John chapter 11, it begins in verse 1 by saying that now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified. So we're introduced to the scenario of this family, uh, two sisters and a brother. And this was a family known to Jesus and known by Jesus. And they knew Jesus as well. And Lazarus is sick. And if we just stopped reading after the first couple of verses, we would think, okay, he's sick. But he was really sick. And the sisters who loved their brother knew if there was anyone that would be able to do anything for our brother. It's Jesus. So they send for Jesus, but Jesus does not immediately stop what he's doing and come to take care of Lazarus. And he makes this comment, it's not going to end in death, but for the glory of God. 
So I suppose if you're a bystander on that day, maybe one of Jesus' apostles who's gathered around him, to whom he's speaking, in the back of your mind, you might be thinking, well, you know what, this was a man uh, who demonstrated his power over nature by, by calming a storm. Uh, this is a man who's, who's uh, demonstrated his power over nature by, by having us pull in large quantities of fish as we're fishing. Uh, this is a man who's demonstrated his awesomeness by being able to walk on water. And you have all those things in the back of your mind. You think, certainly this man's going to go and, and heal as he's done many times before. But something even bigger was to happen. And so Jesus says, this is not the end of death, but the glory of God. Pick up in verse 7. Or verse 6, rather. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Then he said, after that, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I pray that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Jesus is aware that Lazarus has died. He knows what he's going to do. His disciples, they, they're not catching on so quick. So Jesus goes. Verse 17 says that when he came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. And so Lazarus has died. It takes Jesus about four days to get there. He's been in the tomb, as was the Jewish custom. They buried him right away. And so he's been in the tomb for four days. Now, Martha expresses that very thought that we had mentioned earlier, that couldn't Jesus have just healed Lazarus and, and be, be done with it and save this man? So she says in verse 21, Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. Until verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now Martha's kind of like you and me. We, we start thinking in the abstract. We know all the right questions to all, or all the right answers to, to those deep religious questions that we sometimes think about. And so she gives her Bible class answer, verse 24. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, she said, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes in the world. You see, she was thinking about that last day, and everything she said was true. But Jesus is about to do something awesome. 
verse 38. Crowds are there watching what Jesus is going to do. Verse 38, so Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, there, this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? It's not like Lazarus had been sick and they misinterpreted that he was dead. He was in the tomb for four days. Martha knows that there's going to be a stench. Nobody's expecting what is coming. Verse 41, so they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, or said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings. And his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Jesus had done something that nobody on that day had ever seen before. Jesus did something on that day that none of us, I dare say, has ever seen done. And that is to go to a tomb where someone has been lying dead for days, their body beginning to decompose, and for Jesus to stand there and say in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, and a dead man begins to live and comes out of the tomb and begins to live again. The power of the story is in the demonstration that Jesus, as God living on earth, had the power not just over nature, not just over the ability to heal some disease, but he even has the power over death. He has the ability to change lives, even lives that are so far gone they are no more. The power of God. The one who gives life one who saves life, the one who restores life. And so we see the power of Jesus displayed here so powerfully, so vividly in the raising of Lazarus from the tomb. So much so that many of the Jews who had come out to, to mourn with Mary were amazed at what Jesus had done, and, and they began to believe in Jesus. save lives, even lives that were no more, so far gone that they were no more. But as we look at the story, we don't only see the power of God, a distant God, and an estranged God, but we see the power of a God moved by compassion and love. As we back up into the story and some of the verses that we 
had not read. Verse 28, after Martha has her conversation with Jesus, it says, verse 28, when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. The Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly, went out and they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved. The power of God, the compassion of God. Jesus knew what he was going to do before he left. Because he makes a comment to his disciples, this is not to end in death before the glory of God. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the tomb. But there's another part of the story, and that part of the story is we have a God who sees what's happening in our lives. We have a God that feels the pain that we have in our lives. We have a God who feels with us the pain in our lives. And when Jesus is looking around there, and here comes Mary, and she falls at his feet because she knows you could have saved my brother. You could have healed him. And all of that is true. When he hears those words and he sees those people that are mourning with her, trying to console her, and all of them are weeping, the text says he was moved and was troubled. word for wept is not a little tiny tear that you have when some minor thing happens. The idea of weeping is just as it sounds in English. A drenching cry with the tears streaming down your face as your heart is broken, as you suffer. And that's the word that the gospel writer uses to describe how Jesus responded physically to what he was hearing and seeing. Jesus was moved by the pain and the sorrow of those around him. Verse 38, as we already read, so Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. The power of the story is both in the fact that Jesus displays his power as God to overcome death 
But there's also a second power, and that is the power of the compassion of Christ and the love of Christ. And he calls Lazarus out to the tomb as he was intending to do, but he does it as someone who feels the pain and the sorrow of people that he sees. As we look at this story, there are parallels. We see the power of Christ. We see the compassion of Christ. In a real story, at a real event, but there are parallels for you and me. You see, sometimes our lives are so far gone, just like Lazarus' life was gone. He suffered a physical death, but there are times in our lives when the blackness is so great when the darkness is so great, there is nothing left. And there is the power of God to raise us up out of that. Sometimes that darkness is there because of things that we have suffered. Sometimes that darkness is there because of things, decisions that we have done. But that darkness, that Helplessness, that utter loss is there. And Christ has the power to change that. But there's another parallel, and that second parallel is just as Jesus looked at Mary and Martha and the crowds that were there, and he was moved by their sorrow and felt their sorrow and felt their pain in the same way Jesus is concerned for you. And he's not a God that's just some renaissance picture far off and removed. He's a God who is deeply moved by what's happening in your life. And he wants to pull you out of that darkness, pull you out of that death, and give you life. He wants to change your life. And the only question is, when he stands at your door and says, come out. is will you follow him? Will you obey him? And so when Jesus tells his apostles in Matthew chapter 28 to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've taught you, that's Jesus saying, come out. When his apostles began teaching that message and, and going around, starting in Jerusalem, and the people of the crowds in the city of Jerusalem say, what shall we do? When those apostles say, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of those Holy Spirit, that's Jesus saying, come out. When Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 21, corresponding to the waters of Noah's flood, Baptism now saves you, not 
a washing of sin from the, from the flesh, but an appeal to God through a clean conscience. That's Jesus saying, come out. So the question this morning is, when Jesus wants to change your life and pull you out of the darkness and help you move into a new life, are you going to respond when he says, come out? If you want to be united with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism and start living a new life for Christ, are you willing to do that as he calls you out? That's what you need to do this morning once you come. Together we stand and sing.